sorry to keep you waiting. Stories? Science fiction stories about uh, visitors coming down to Earth from other planets? Welcome, everybody, to episode 13, the first regular episode in 2014 of Rhythm Encounter. We are super excited to be back with an awesome topic. Joining me today, I am Stephen Myring. Taylor on the boards is my co-pilot. Uh, that was confusing, but uh, I'm Derek Hemsberg, and I'm Embryon on the boards. I'm a super confusing dude. And speaking of being super confusing, here is somebody who's not confusing. <laughs> well, I try not to be. This is Tuker, John Tucker. What's you, up, uh, Tucker? Yeah, what's up, Tooker? We're, I'm going to yeah. call you Tooker. I hope you don't mind. I'm just so no. ingrained. That's just ingrained in my brain at this point. We always yeah. call him Tooker. For those of you listening, Tooker was a wonderful guest during our Music of the Year extravaganza, and now we got him on a regular episode in an awesome topic. Today we are talking about sci-fi stuff. It's been just a topic that popped up. I was like, there's a lot of cool sci-fi RPGs and adventure games out there, and like, you know, it allows us to get a lot of things that we haven't covered in. So I think that'll be a really fun topic. And since this is our first return to our regular format, we're finally going to hit some recent albums. And I know coming up we have, let's see. So recently Pac-Yan reviewed the Elder Scrolls Online soundtrack, which is interesting because I actually thought when I listened to it, like without reading any of the credentials, that it was Jeremy Soule. And uh, it's actually, he only did one track on the soundtrack, the, like the title track that's sort of a, an amalgam of the Morrowind, Skyrim, and Oblivion themes. And it's a pretty cool track, but uh, a gentleman by the name of Brad Derrick did most of the soundtrack. And Pat found that the sort of the tone they were going for in that album was, we want stuff like the other ones. I don't necessarily agree with all of his uh, criticisms of it being too similar, but it's an interesting soundtrack because if you hear it, it's undoubtedly Elder Scrolls, but it's also, it's got an interesting sound to it. And I actually picked the track from that. It's called Horizons of Cyrodiil. It's by Brad Derrick. So uh, if you if it's all right with you, gentlemen, let's go ahead and get right into that track, shall we? That guy has a good last name. Right? Derek. Yeah. Perfect <laughs> last name. I can't think of a better first name either. I can't either. Whoa, thank you. Hey, let's listen to the music. Yes, here are Horizons of Cyrodiil. ended a lot faster than I remembered it ending. Yeah. I was like listening to it in pre-production. I was like, oh, I like this track. Wait, it's over. Uh, yeah. I was like, hey guys, remember us from a minute ago? Yeah, we're, we are. we're back already. Right? We're uh, back. It's, uh, you know, so I, I will say that track in particular, despite being named Cyrodiil, which was the region in uh, Oblivion, it gives me a Morrowind vibe, and maybe that's just because of reasons. I don't know. But uh, I really, because... I, I really like it. Uh, I like it better than Skyrim soundtrack. Skyrim soundtrack was actually kind of hit or miss for me. 
you know, the Dovahkiin is the, the track that everyone always remembers, and I like it a lot. And there's a few tracks that are really standout, but I think a lot of it kind of blends together, which is, again, a criticism I'd level at Oblivion soundtrack, too. Not that any of it's bad. It's just very backdroppy. Whereas Morrowind, I remember a lot of the music, and I don't know if it's because the setting in Morrowind is so distinctive, like giant mushrooms floating around and weird, like, transparent monsters, like, silt striders and stuff. Yeah, I have to say, I actually really like the Elder Scrolls Online soundtrack, and that track in particular. I, I, it, I find it more memorable than some of the more recent solo Elder Scrolls games in terms of music. I'm not well-versed enough in any kind of Elder Scrolls lore or series history, since the only one I've played at all, really, is Morrowind, and it wasn't even for that long. I had it for the uh, Xbox, and I just didn't put a lot of time into it. It's not really my style of game, uh, but the music is uh, decent, I suppose. Uh, I didn't really get a lot out of the track. I didn't think it was offensive or anything like that. I just, it, like we said, it was so short. Uh, it's about a, it's like a minute and 14 seconds, and the first maybe 10 or 15 of that is some buildup. So it just, to me, felt like a standard orchestral overture kind of thing, um, and I'm, I'm assuming it's kind of like the intro track for the game. I don't know if it's an intro track, because I, I don't know too much about the game. I've only played it a little bit, but uh, it, it has a small footprint, I will say. It definitely does. Like, not just in terms of its brevity, but also just in terms of musically what it does. I, I mean, I would say. But what it does isn't bad. It, it does fit the uh, the feel of the game, so, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I And I think that's sort of the, the overarching concern that, like, I, I imagine when Brad Derrick set out to compose this soundtrack... You know, he they knew what they were going for. It's like when you get Motoi Sakuraba doing a Tales game and Namco says, hey, we you know what we want. Just do it. I have to imagine that Brad Derrick, you know, when he sat down with Bethesda to make the set, most of the music to Elder Scrolls Online, uh, he had some help with, like, Rick Schaefer and Jeremy Soule, and I, I believe he's one other composer. But, uh, you know, they knew what they wanted musically from this game. And I think it does function well, because whenever I hear this music, I do, you know, invariably my, my, my thoughts turn to the Elder Scrolls. But it's not like, you know, I don't think of it the way I think of like Persona music where it's just so distinctive and catchy that I want to hear it. But it's, so, a, good, it's a good accompaniment. Yeah, so it's, it seems like it was a little bit more a case of restricted direction, if you want to call it that, than any kind of lack of inspiration, maybe. Be just because, like you said, it seems like it was geared to fit into the Elder Scrolls sort of mold. theme. Yeah, mold. Yeah, I would agree. Not, not bad, not amazing. Yep. The uh, the next track actually is one. It's from an album I reviewed and from a game I love very dearly, Borderlands Two. I know you've been hitting it up a lot lately, Derek. So the Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon Keep is just the craziest DLC. It's like this D and D themed bananas. Like you'll be running down the beach and it'll be like the unassuming docks, and then it will turn into like the unassuming docks of doom. And you know the sun will shoot down and like volcanoes will explode. You know, I'm embellishing a little bit, but it was a really interesting musical experiment for the series because it's a series that's kind of known for this sort of very low-key electronic stuff you know sort of like pulsating like almost dancey type stuff that i would expect to hear in a club and so it has this really interesting detour in tiny tina's assault on dragon's keep into like fantasy but also still keeping to the tenets of the series musically um raisin i'm gonna mispronounce this name it it looks like raison varner and i feel bad because it sounds like raisin but I'm almost positive it's Raison Varner, and he's contributed music to the whole series, usually some of my favorite tracks, along with Jesper Kidd and uh, you know the other composers that have worked on it. But uh, this is like the town theme from uh, Tiny Tina's Assault and Dragon's Keep, Flame Rock Refuge, and it's such a pretty song. I remember playing it and being like, this is it's, – it's sort of how I always try to describe Borderlands to people, as it has this sort of boisterous, 
abrasive exterior of like, you know, weird kind of blunt beat you over the head humor. And then there's this really, there's this like subtlety to the game and to the storyline that's actually a little bit deeper than you would think just like hearing like, oh, it's a crazy cell shaded game with like, you know, weird pop culture references and, you know, super nuts gameplay. Uh, so I, I, I look forward to you guys, your, your thoughts on this, because I think it's a really interesting track. I look forward to finding out who has the best meat bicycle. Well, I can already tell you the answer to that, but I won't spoil it until after. So before we talk about meat bicycles, let's listen to Flame Rock Refuge from Borderlands 2 Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon's Keep.
so that like Celtic kind of feel that it broke into maybe about halfway into the song, having not played this uh, expansion, this really not what I would expect uh, to hear in Borderlands. But I liked it. It was it was a really good track. Yeah, it's interesting because when you pointed out that you thought it had a Celtic vibe, I was in the middle of typing. I love the flute part and the forlorn sort of like traditional Japan slash Chinese sounds that I get from it. So it's funny that you thought it was Celtic too. But after you saying that, I think I think that's a little more on point. And I like the sort of sadness to it because not to spoil it because it's still relatively new, but the whole Tiny Tina DLC is actually like about Tiny Tina coming to grips with the death of a major story character. And it's so boisterous and kind of silly at first that you're like, ha, 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 funny, funny, funny. So when it gets serious, you're like, wow, this is legitimately sad and depressing. And all of the music and sort of the storyline of all the side quests, even though there's that, that, that tinge of humor to them, have this sort of tragic impermanence to them where, like, you know, things are going to get bad because someone is going to die. Like, there's a character in the plot line of the DLC who is, is killed in the main storyline. And the whole game is sort of about Tiny Tina coming to grips with the fact that he's dead, he slash she. And so the music really echoes that. And that's why I love this sort of forlorn, sort of sad things have passed vibe to the sound of Flame Rock Refuge, because it's like this refuge from reality for her and all the characters, which is, again, why I'll just sing the praises of Borderlands in terms of narrative up and down, because I think the writing in that game is brilliant. You know, it has silly parts, but it has those moments where there's a lot of depth to it without it being sort of like shoving it in your face like i think the whole series is like this unsung hero of music like there is a lot of fillery stuff in borderlands there's a lot of like just background sort of electronic and like fantasy stuff but then there's a lot of great stuff that doesn't get pointed out like the wildlife exploitation preserve like this really sort of moody atmospheric memorable music that absolutely is is fantastic both your description of the narrative and the actual way that song sounded were completely out of line with my expectations <laughs> so uh i guess i need to play that um i i'm not very far in borderlands too i'm probably like halfway through the campaign been playing it really slowly with one of my friends greg what's up greg you listen up, to everything greg? you listen to us yep and uh we yeah you. yeah well yeah of course we do he's a listener so we love him automatically right so yeah i mean pretty cool song i got a one of the first things i thought was it sounded like the main thing from dexter for a moment <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i'm never gonna not hear that now right? so i was like i was like that's unusual but i mean i guess borderlands 2 was also about killing people so exactly connection a lot of people and robots yeah. mm-hmm. oh well like if, if dexter was set in the future i'm sure he would kill robots as well he seems like a pretty equal opportunity guy hey, want to kill all humans yeah that hey, that, baby. that truly would be the the, the realization of dexter's laboratory the ultimate crossover. <laughs> turn, him uh, into, turn him into Bender. Yeah, would be pretty amazing. And speaking of Bender, I cannot get over the fact that it's John DiMaggio, right? Yeah. He, he's he's Waka? Waka. Waka. I had no idea. I think you told me. You were like, I yeah. didn't either. Somebody, I can't handle it. Somebody mentioned it. it was like, yeah, John DiMaggio's Waka. I'm like, what? What? I know. And, and, and like, Jake the dog. And Jake the dog. Yeah, and now I cannot hear it. Like I, I can't. I hear Waka, and I'm like, <laughs> Titus, let's go kill all humans on Spira. <laughs> right. That's pretty much exactly what happens every time I'm playing. He's like, Yuna, let's go get some booze, yeah. And I'm just like, this. Everything about this is wrong. And then everything will be about me because Spira's doomed. Doomed. But any kind of a uh, Futurama crossover is cool with me. Hey, hey, Tooker, the dog yeah. episode. Oh, you jerk. Yeah. 
I'm kind of I'm sad that. when you think about the dog. Man. Oh, dog. Speaking of dog, this is not at all related. This has nothing to do with dog. Dogish. So Live Alive has great music. Live Alive, Live Alive, Live Alive. Whatever you want to call it, it's an SNES RPG that never came out in the U.S. If you're he not plays a ninja and a caveman and a robot and, and, a, and a cowboy, uh, it's this sort. Of, it's actually, you know, what I want to think of it as, especially lately, because we're going to be featuring it later. It's this like proto Saga Frontier almost, and it uh, is. Uh, different different composers. So on the recently released and amazing Yokoshimamura Memoria album, which is a series of remixes of her music throughout the years, it's sort of a follow up to Dramatica, but very different in style. Which I think is a, is to its credit. There is Megalom- Megalomania, which is this really catchy. I think it's a boss theme in Live Alive, and so they added vocals oh, to it. And it's it's just the regular battle theme. Oh, it's just the regular. Okay, it's, it's the regular battle theme for one of the characters, right? Not for all the characters. Uh, that's a good question. I think it's for everybody. I'm not 100 uh, percent sure about that. Actually, we'll have to do our homework and come back on it. But it uh, so it's polarizing. I've had a couple people say they don't like this track because of the the vocals being a little silly but i i cannot get this track out of my head i think it's super catchy so let's go ahead and take a listen to uh from memoria yokoshi memoria this is uh megalomania the we'll call it the non-karaoke version because it has lyrics
I think we'll prompt an interesting discussion on how you feel about synth because uh, I've I've had a lot of people tell me that they don't like this track and they don't like Pain the Universe on Memoria because it sounds too synthy or because the synth doesn't work. I know that is not your reason, Derek. So I, I want to hear that, but uh, I have this like I think a lot of people have a, like a sort of nostalgia for the Super Nintendo synth uh, for good reason. It's it's so catchy and just it, it it's so distinctive. Like people are still trying to replicate that kind of sound. And I really like that this song is very synthy because I think that's sort of a, an homage to its original because it would be tough to do this in a piano and do the song justice, kind of like with Pain the Universe. I just don't know that a piano track would capture what's cool about that song. Uh, and I know the vocals are polarizing here. I love the song. I find it super catchy. I love the original. And I think the reason I find it catchy is because I don't actually have any idea what the lyrics are saying. I can't even tell if it's English or Japanese, really. Uh, I just listen to it and sort of... I just love the, the the intensity of it and the melody. So it catches me in that regard as being one of my favorite tracks on the album. However, I think it's catchy for sure, but the vocals grate on me a lot. It kind of sounds to me like Rise from Persona 4 tried to sing True Story, but she had like a bad throat day. <laughs> oh, you're doing it to me again. I'm never going to not hear that. Right? So I don't know. Just that I just think the singer's voice is really kind of it just it hits that part of my like i don't know if it's the frequency or what but it's just wrong for me i really really like the original version of this song and not trying to be a hipster but i really like the synth version on the super nintendo um i i mean and i don't think there's any nostalgia attached to it for me because obviously i didn't play it when i was younger since the game never came out here i probably heard it only a few years ago yeah right so i i really i just i like the synth version and i i think that's it's just a really really good use of the super nintendo's sound chip and it sounds really unlike a lot of other stuff on the super nintendo actually even though it has that super nintendo e sound it doesn't sound exactly like several other yeah, memorable battle themes it's very uh it's it, it's one of shimamura's earliest works if not it's not her first i don't think but it's one of her very earliest it's it's so it's i don't want to call it experimental because that sort of has this different connotation but it it sound, you're right, it sounds really different from what a lot of the other even Square Enix RPGs were doing with the Super Nintendo sound. Like, you know, for me, it sounds like it should have lyrics. Like, it almost sounds like lyrics belong in it, which is why I like that. But like, is that because you just heard this one, the new one? Or is it because... Well, well I've listened I'll to... I'll say, as, as somebody who, who didn't hear the, the original version, I, I felt like it, I felt like the lyrics were right at home. It felt right to me. That it yeah. had in the original, the, the melody is carried by like a weird, I don't even know how I would describe it. Again, it's a synth instrument, so a, I'm not really even thing. sure. Yeah, it's it's not a honker, I can tell you that. It's not a honker, <laughs> that may come in later. What other, what other instruments have we made up on this show? Oh gosh, we know. had another one too. Like, I don't know, like a worker, a chocobo. Wish. No, we, we we have made up other things, but yeah, I can see why, because it's, it is an incredibly melody-driven track, so the vocals carry everything, pretty much. Yeah, it's. I will say, I, I can appreciate why people don't like this one and don't like Pain the Universe on Memoria because, and I wrote this in my review, I think a lot of people when they heard Memoria, they were expecting Dramatica Part 2, and it's really not that. There are a few tracks that are in the Dramatica style, the Kingdom Hearts tracks, the Mario tracks, or the Mario RPG tracks, but uh, I think this is a lot more... There are different extra arrangers in here, and it shows. There's a lot more styles of music here, which... I found really found really refreshing, but I can appreciate why somebody wouldn't like this track, especially for somebody who notices lyrics. I, I tend to not even notice lyrics. Um, 
I, you know, I'm not against them or for them in particular. I think they can be great. I think they can be bad. But I don't really pay attention to what they're saying. So I think that's why it doesn't bother me as much because I just hear the voice as another instrument that's not adding anything with linguistic meaning. It's just another sound I'm hearing. Well, then maybe it's time for you to step on up to the plate because this ain't no game. It's time to make history. Dance. Yeah. I want to put you in a trance. Yeah, Derek, exactly. work that body. Make sure you don't hurt nobody. Uh, I said, hey, 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 hey. All right, let's not. Let's not. Gonna, in- let's gonna... Instead, let's talk Ugh. about science fiction games, shall we? Let's do that. How do we That's feel fine. about science fiction? Is everybody okay with that? Man, I hate yeah. science fiction. It's so, the worst. What? We, as, no. ever, as we mentioned before, before we did the music of the year, mega eight-hour superness, uh, so we're going with a shorter format now. So there are fewer tracks now, but this will allow us to touch on more topics which I think will be more fun because we can do the show more regularly and we can kind of keep it a little more crisp, keep the pace more brisk yep. and, uh, you know, get more guests and stuff too, which I think will be a lot of fun. So we've got quite a few interesting tracks here and a couple of games we've actually never played before, which I think is cool. So what what sort of drove me to wanting to pick sci-fi as a topic is I was trolling the internet as I am wont to do, listening to music, and uh, I think we were all on Skype. You guys were playing Final Fantasy or something. And I came across a Xenosaga track that Mike linked me to that I absolutely adored, which will be featured later. And I was like, oh man, you know what? I love sci-fi. I go, I love sci-fi films. I love sci-fi games. And like, I feel like it's a genre that has a lot of entries, but doesn't get noticed a lot because, you know, fantasy RPGs are so much more prevalent, I think. And uh, I I think we've had entries into the sci-fi genre, even in recent years and in the past. So I was like, it'd be really cool to sort of cast a little light on all these cool sci-fi games that we've had out there because they've been, you know, they've sort of been everywhere. Steven, I, I never would have guessed after two complete episodes devoted to Fantasy Star that you liked sci-fi. Right. That's crazy. And some of the titles we've thought about for this episode, which I'm not going to say because we haven't decided yet and I don't want to date this, are even related to sci-fi films. I am a sci-fi nerd. I wrote, I wrote a, it was my, my senior thesis in my undergraduate work was on sci-fi movies. I talked about Blade Runner and Star Wars, so expect a reference Sweet. to that somewhere. But it, uh, yeah, it, it's there's a really interesting sort of musical quality to sci-fi music that is, I would, I would say it's it's noticeably different from the kinds of fantasy RPGs and even the modern day non-sci-fi kinds of RPGs you can play. Not that there's a million of those either, but I think it has a really different sound, and I, I think after listening to this music, we'll be able to explore some of that. On that note, Tooker Tooker picked the first one. So what was the first track you picked? Yeah, so I picked. I, I kind of went back. A little ways, but not forever. To uh, X Men Legends, great game. You know, yeah, it, it was a great series, and it, although you know that's not the best entry in it, it was a great start. And and they had a system that I've seen in a few other games where every area that you went in had sort of a everything's calm version of the track and an action version of the track for when you you were actually fighting people. Mm. And uh, I picked X Mansion Action Track. Yeah, and the, the, it's a really cool. I don't want to talk too much about it yet, but uh, I agree. A lot of, there are a lot of cool games that do that. Like Kingdom Hearts does the same thing, and I think that's always fun to have sort of a a calm version of the track and then a battle version of the track. Mm-hmm. It, it, it makes Fantasy Thirteen too does that. Yeah. Oh, it does it really well too. Very well. But you know, we talk about how great the music in that is all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. we and would then, never play. We'd never play it on this show, but because it's not from an RPG, but Chronicles of Riddick did that as well and that that's a, a really good soundtrack it's oh yeah definitely RPG. i agree totally that's a great soundtrack so not an rpg we can't play it but you guys should go listen to it that game has great uh butcher bay right yep yeah okay i was trying to make sure we're talking about the same thing 
And then, uh, Derek, you picked the second track, which we've played this, this game before, but it deserves another play. Have we? We played one track before, and I think it, it might have been the Halloween episode. I think oh, you're right. It was like the puppet show. Mm, mm, right? mm. Okay, now I remember, since I picked it and everything. So anyway, um, <laughs> Tooker says he didn't go too far back. I did. I went way far back. So that's actually a theme shared among all of my picks for today. But the first one that I've selected is from Secret of Evermore. It is the track The Secret of Evermore. And it's actually, it's from the original soundtrack that was released for the game. This is actually kind of an, it's an arrangement, so it didn't play in the game as you're going to hear it. But I'm fairly sure it's an arrangement of the main theme. I just really like it because it's super jazzy. And the reason why I picked it is because Secret of Evermore is, if you're not familiar with it, which I figure you probably would be since you're listening to the show. It's It was like the Square Enix Western answer to Secret of Mana. and uh, It was really weird. It was really weird. I really liked it, though, and I still do to this day, actually. I played it semi-recently, and I still liked it, so it's want... not all nostalgia, folks. I've never yeah. beaten it. I want to play it at some point. I should do it, that. It's pretty cool. I actually I never beat it either. I got to the final area, but um, Secret of Evermore has... Uh, you travel through four distinct time periods, and the final one is like a future tech kind of thing, so that's why I picked this track. Very sci-fi. Speaking of things that you encouraged me to play that I finally did, my uh, track I picked is the best track in the game. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it right now. No, it's, it's true, so that's fine. It's from Nine Hours, Nine Persons, Nine Doors. It is Morphogenetic Sorrow. It plays during the final puzzle sequence, which is unbelievably affecting. Story-wise, the puzzle, I saw it and sort of cried out in anguish because it's... I don't want to spoil anything in case you haven't played Nine and Nine. If you haven't, you're a bad person, and you should. Because it's a puzzle... It's a type of puzzle that I'm terrible at. And uh, it's such an awesome song. And I picked it, too, because... It's an interesting use of the DS's sound hardware because the DS has this really particular sound that almost is lo-fi, but it's it's got this really distinctive quality that I like about it. So le- before we talk any further, let's go ahead and take a listen to the X-Mansion's action theme from X-Men Legends, The Secret of Evermore, and Morphogenetic Sorrow.
the, the expansion feels super 90s to the point where it almost made me laugh. I felt like mm-hmm. I was booting up rock and roll racing for Super Nintendo. Uh, I, didn't <laughs> get, <laughs> I, I didn't get that vibe. I, I wrote reminds me of an X-Men cartoon because it totally does. Sure, um, yeah. Fine. Have, it, have a reasonable comment. Whatever. No, no. Like it's a, it's a 90s cartoon. So I agree with you. Yeah. It's, it's very 90s. It's, it's a product of its time. It, it is evocative of that X-Men vibe that like, you know, Raven Software made that game. And I'm like, I feel like they were informed by like, I feel like a bunch of dudes in that team totally played, uh, not played, but watched the X-Men cartoon, and that was how they became interested in X-Men. That's how I became interested in X-Men, so yeah, absolutely it has that vibe. Yeah, it, it, it has that same sort of, I don't know what to call it, kind of crunchy sound. Yeah. Yeah, it, I always think of that just the X Men thing. That like every time I think of X Men, I feel like that should be their theme, even in the films. Like I want, mm-hmm. I want Michael Fassbender to walk on screen in Days of Future Past and it'd be like, like that's what I want. Like that, that's that is the X Men in my heart. And I, I, you pointed out when we were recording, like that it's a little repetitive outside of the game. And I yes. think I agree with that. But as background music, I think it works really well. To capture the the, the vibe in, I have in my brain of X Men, you know, I, I think it's really catchy, and it's actually interestingly, it's by Rick Schaefer, who also worked on the Elder Scrolls Online soundtrack. So we have a little uh, little relationships between the music here. Well played, yeah. crossover. Okay. And uh, speaking of that, you know, that the next the next track, uh, the Secret of Evermore, that that oh man by Jeremy Soul, who right? has another track by him later in the uh, in the yeah. show. That's bananas, and he worked on the Elder Scrolls Online soundtrack too. So uh, that's uh, that's very apropos. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, some weird connections there. Right. But yeah. I, the only thing I can really say about that track is uh, I called it the secret of Jazzy Moore because yeah. it is very jazzy. It, it yeah, it has this. First of all, I think it's interesting that it is called the Secret of Evermore original soundtrack, though none of it at all is the original soundtrack. It's all arrangements. Yeah. Um, but I love the piano. It has. Uh, I, it reminded me of a few things. I wrote three things it reminded me of. The first thing I thought of was like this sort of red booky Falcom thing. Like I don't know why, but it just made me feel like it was something I'd hear in a 1989 Falcom PC Engine game with red book audio. Yeah. And then as it went on, I was like, wait, no, no, no. This reminds me of Marble Garden Zone from Sonic 3. And then still further, the synth in it reminded me of Fantasy Star. Like Fantasy Star 2 and 4. Again, I, I can't put my finger on why. But just something about it just had this this vibe that I mean it 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 gelled with me really well, but it, it has a really distinctive tone to it that I liked a lot. Yeah, and even though this is the sci-fi episode, um, I would say that this song in particular doesn't re- really give me as much of a sci-fi vibe. I kind of cheated a little bit in choosing it. To me, it kind of evokes maybe like like a dead forest almost. I, I, I don't really that. yeah like a, kind of a, a desolate melancholy kind of thing, but. Not entirely, not like horror so much as it is just emptiness, like a, yes. a, an abandoned forest. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of that's kind of the thing I got from it. Yep. And then uh, the last track, the one that I picked, I wrote in all caps. I just want to explain how I felt when I got to this part in the game because nine 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 is a game about blowing your expectations to bits over and over again. You keep thinking you have that story figured out, and then it's like nope, 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 nope. And then you hit this, like, incredible emotional thrust in the final part of the game. And they do this really crazy thing. And, again, I don't want to spoil anything. But you have to hold the DS upside down 
as you solve the final puzzle and you know there's artwork on the top screen that is beautiful and just so evocative of the emotion that 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 song is eliciting amazing synth Shinji Hosoe has this really distinctive sound that some people don't like it like especially in Xenosaga 2 I think people complained that there was like this lo-fi quality to it or almost a repetitiousness to it but I think it just it the score for 999 is so good at capturing the vibe of that game and the emotional core of the game. And I think that song in particular is just the pinnacle of it, easily. It's so good that it informs a lot of 999's, or not 999, uh, VLR's music, melody-wise. That that melody is repeated in a lot of VLR music. Mm-hmm. It is. The thing I, I thought was kind of interesting about that track, it, there's sort of two levels, or two layers to the music, with the kind of the, the melody going on that's more of a straightforward piano kind of sound, but then behind it is more of a, a synthy kind of 8-bit background. There were two things that maybe you wouldn't think of, of putting together normally, but they, I definitely, they I work together to, to really yeah. work in this There's, case. The the best example is like right around 30 seconds when it gets to that ba ba da da part, it's sort of there's that piano in the background and then this like synth like it is distinctively an instrument that you only hear in video games synth but mm-hmm. it works so well as an emotional device and i know you haven't played 999 but just it captures everything musically about that game with that synth part and then the piano captures the emotional core of that scene it's it's con- i think it's it it's contrastive and the layers work together very well the lo-fi and the hi-fi by the way didn't you say that anybody who hasn't played 999 is a bad person I did. And, it, it's and, okay. I will freely admit, I'm a bad person. Tuggy, you're the worst. But I want you to become a good person, so make sure you play it. Please play it. It's, Please look forward it. to it. It. Will, it will take you ten hours. You'll be done. Yes. If that. Wait. Don't take it longer than that. But know. it's worth it. It's it it's ten. worth any time you put into it. At oh all. yeah, absolutely. It's yep. great, great, great novel, great story. Great game, great music, great everything. Right. So we'll Speaking move into greatness, Derek. yeah, we'll move into our second block of tracks. Uh, I picked the first one in this block. It is a track from Earthbound because Earthbound is one of my most favorite games ever, ever, ever. Welcome to uh, Earthbound. Welcome to Earthbound. Uh, if if a gun was put to my head and I was asked what my favorite RPGs of all time were, although that is an incredibly implausible situation, <laughs> I can't imagine how or why it would ever happen. But we can think impossible. about it. You yeah. think it's plausible, but just wait until June. Some guys, some guys are gonna like tackle me to the ground and be like, "Tell me, Earthbound or Final Fantasy VI? And I'll be like, "I don't know, Zeno Gears. I don't know." What's the best biatch? Yeah. So, uh, I picked Battle Against a Machine from Earthbound. It's a short track, but it's one of the myriad battle themes um, it plays when you're fighting machine enemies. Go figure, right? right. Um, Earthbound has a lot of really kooky sci-fi and modern-day elements. Um, I love the way all of it works together to create an atmosphere, but this one in particular is one of the most sci-fi things on it. And then it looks like, Steven, you picked our next one? I did. And I picked, uh, we've never featured this game, but this is one of my favorite Super Nintendo games. It's the Shadowrun game on Super Nintendo. There's a lot of contention as to, oh, which one's better, the Genesis version or the Super Nintendo version. I like the Super Nintendo version better, not just because I've beaten it, but uh, it's this like interesting hybrid of RPG and point-and-click adventure that I love. And this is, uh, so the... It's I, I recall it playing in a bar scene, but I, I, I just I remember it from the game, so I don't remember exactly like I don't even know if it has an actual track, but it's it's it played in the bar and it's a really cool song. So that's the track we've got. And then Tooker picked our final track from another point and click adventure game. Yeah, from uh, from Gemini Rue, uh, 
which I played, I think, last year, a recent port of an earlier game. Uh, the track I picked is called Another Day's Work. It's a very noir kind of game, and I, I think the this track in particular really showcases that. But it's still sci-fi set in the future. Let's go ahead and take a listen to Welcome to Earthbound's Battle Against the Machine, Shadowrun Super Nintendo's Bar Song, and Gemini <laughs> Rue's Another Day's Work.
I I wrote uh, my comments for the Earthbound track battle against the machine were just bass oons oons oons. That's what I wrote. I wrote thump thump thump. I Earthbound has crazy music. Like that whole game is nuts. Yeah. Like I need to play it. Like because just everything about that game is just like some dude was like I don't care what any convention is, whatever. It's not my thing. Uh, it's it's just so memorable and nutty. I I, I can't describe. I feel like that's. I feel like it's not doing it justice, but that's that's all I can come up with because it's just well, crazy. I feel like that that track sounds a lot more modern than it really has any right to sound. Oh yeah, uh, which is cool. I the the thing that I really liked about it were it's it's constantly playing with with dissonance, whereas chords that notes should not be put together, but they're being put together all the time. And then I don't know if this was intentional or, or what, but there's a couple of places in the song where they have a beat. My music words are escaping me. The music uh, words. Yeah. You know, I have beats and they go together. Oh, and a measure. They, so they have a they have a measure with like one, two, few beats at least twice in the yeah. song as well. Yep. That's intentional. And, the whole and, thing is super off-putting. Like, it, yeah, it reminds me of the it's battle theme for a lot of reasons just it's so di- that's what that's what i think is most unsettling about the earthbound music for me and i know the whole game isn't meant to be unsettling but i associate everything in earthbound with that nightmare final boss battle you're so, welcome like, for that still I, by the way that was months ago but you're still welcome for it's, it it's it's everything that i am terrified of and it, it it plays with the what you expect out of a piece of music where the lack of the notes where you need them and the dissonance is what throws you off and makes you uncomfortable yeah. and yeah. As a battle theme, this is an interesting experiment that I think is successful. And it, like, I really need to play the game just Absolutely. so I put a, a, a music to a face, in other words. This song makes me think of getting attacked by tiny UFOs who, show, <clears throat> who shoot beams at you that give you colds. And then you walk around sniffling and you have to, like, you miss turns in battle because it's like, you had to blow your nose. Or it doesn't say that, but it's like, your nose is running. So you missed a turn. I don't know. I don't know why UFOs can give you a cold with a magic laser beam, but I mean it's Earthbound, so I'm not about to question it. Well, it's like it's, War of the Worlds, you know. Exactly. And in the end, the alien invaders were vanquished by the smallest of God's creatures, the Tyrannosaurus Rex. So, and then we moved on to Sleazy Bar, which uh, opens with the weirdest. Like, I guess the cut of it that you have is like oh. in the middle in the middle of a gameplay session. So it's some character died right at the beginning. So it's like. Argh! Well, what it is is, um, and I want to find the right name for it just so I give the proper credit, because I, I found this track on YouTube, because I don't think Shadowrun on Super Nintendo ever had a soundtrack release, but like the rip I found uh, of the song, and I, I want to make sure I get the credit on it, was, uh, it was uploaded by a gentleman, or gentleman, uh, Nomac90, and I, I think he or she put together the soundtrack from tracks in the game, because there's no extant release of it, but it's... It has such a dirty streets vibe, and I love that it starts with the "you killed somebody," like that. Oh, is when you kill someone in Shadowrun. So, like, it's a song that I know well, and out of context, it is really goofy. But just the bass in this song, and like the that, like, it's so cinematic for a 1993 game. Like, Shadowrun is all sorts of ahead of its time. The story in that game is very cool and very not you saving the world as tones of that but it's it's such a cool game with this really interesting musical thing going on it's so cyberpunk like it reminds me of watching robocop for some reason mm-hmm. like i feel like i'd hear this in a robocop action game where i'm shooting people yeah. with it with that sort of self-awareness of what it is doing kind of the the, the hallmark of robocop 
Yeah, like, Robocop that. knows what it is the whole time. Yeah. I, I, Shadowrun Returns is such a, like, I, from what I understand, the game has this, like, really, really harried development history where, like, you know, there was corporate meddling and, like, direction changes and, like, multiple directors. Like, you know, a lot of cooks in the kitchen. But the game is great. Like, it still holds up pretty well. I've, I played it fairly recently. I mean, five years ago, so it's not that recently. But, you know, it's it's a really great game um, that captures a lot of the cool tabletop Shadowrun rules and stuff. And uh, just the whole soundtrack is just full of this weird sort of cinematic ease, dirty, gritty cyberpunk stuff. Pretty, yeah, pretty unusual, especially for its time. Yeah, especially, like, a, as a Super Nintendo track, it's really out there. Like, it sounds more like something that I would expect to hear in, like, Fallout. Hmm. Yeah, well, and, and, and in a lot of ways, I... Well, I don't want to say that Shadowrun was the precursor to Fallout, because they were made around the same time, but I would connect those two pretty closely, actually. I mean, well, in terms of style. You know, the, the, the Shadowrun video game came out of the Shadowrun pen and paper RPG, and, you know, you got to imagine that the, the guys who played Fallout you know, they, they drew uh, inspiration from a, a lot of those kind of sources as well. So Yeah, so I'm sure that it was, you know, sort of concurrent, a concurrent thing. But, yeah, definitely gets that vibe in there. We don't have any follow-up music today. I'm surprised by that. Yeah. When we do Sci-Fi Part 2, we'll, ha- we'll have follow-up music. For sure. And then finally for this block, we listen to Another Day's Work from Gemini Rue, the super cool point-and-click adventure game that I am just saying super is super cool uh, based on other people's um, <laughs> uh, evaluations. I, I mean, I played it I played it for maybe like two hours, um, and I, I enjoyed the style. And, you know, I never really got into the uh, point-and-click genre when I was younger, which is a shame because I think they're really cool. Um, I just didn't really have a lot of exposure to it, so... I, when I played Gemini Rue, it it very much feels kind of like something that was made, you know, around that time that I missed out on. Um, so they did a really good job of capturing that that sort of nostalgic quality. But as for the actual music, I would say that saxophone seems to be a recurring theme today because yes. we had saxophone once again. I don't know what it is about sci-fi and sax that just go together well. So but, uh, I actually, when I mentioned that paper I wrote about Blade Runner and Star Wars, I talked a lot about how Blade Runner has this sort of like dystopian feel to it. And I think a lot of sci-fi has it. Like Gemini Rue definitely, of what I've played of it, has this sort of not quite dystopian, but like a, a washed up detective and a noir story kind of thing where like, you yeah. know, Everything is somber, and you know he's drinking scotch, and the dame got done, fell off a building, and he couldn't save her, and he abandoned his family, and you know he messed up his last his last job, or you know a very somber kind of down on the world sort of thing. And I think that the, the instrumentation in Gemini Rue reflects that. It's very in a tradition of that kind of music that I would spe- expect out of like sort of film noir sort of thing. It it makes me feel like I'm. You know, I've gone into a bar after an unsuccessful day as a private detective, and I'm like, ah, give me scotch with three rocks. It, it makes me think of, uh, you know, like Blade Runner, the the feel that it has, and and even the feel that that music has. But that the atmosphere, where it's it's a game that is very noir. It's you know, it's rainy, and you're that detective guy, and you know, it it feels a lot like uh, Blade Runner with that its whole aesthetic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like the scene when he's drinking and like the lights coming in through his shades mm-hmm. uh, also informs Deus Ex Human Revolution, which we also don't have in here because we played Deus Ex before. But it, uh, yeah, it's musically very interesting and I love it. I, I really want to play Gemini Rue. It's, it's, it's on my to-do list along with like a million other games, but musically it's, it's really great stuff. 
And then uh, coming up next, we are going to jump from film noir right into space. So anyone who's been following me on Twitter, Twitter or Facebook recently knows that I have been sort of going crazy to play Infinite Space. I played it way back when it first came out for like three hours and liked it and just never, you know, other things came up. And I was like, oh, gosh, when I wanted to do sci-fi, I really wanted to play some Infinite Space because I feel like it's a game that got brushed under the rug. I guess it was actually made as part of a publishing deal between Sega and Platinum. Like, I had no idea Platinum Games made Infinite Space. Right, yeah. Um, and so it's it's a composer I've never heard of, uh, Masafumi Takada. And the track I picked is Infinity Root, which is the final ba- boss slash credits theme from Infinite Space. And it's, uh, it's really cool. Most of the game is DS synth. Uh, there's like one or two, I think it's one track that's done by an actual orchestra, orchestra and then this track is sort of the uh, you know closing song. But it, it's really cool. And then uh, we're going to continue being in space with uh, Tooker's pick. Yeah, I can't remember what I picked now. Oh yes, uh, the Old Republic theme from uh, Star Wars: Knights of the Old Republic. Yes, uh, a great series. And this is the uh, the track that I referenced earlier, made by uh, Jeremy Soule, who composed also the secret of evermore this is the jeremy soul episode i guess this is the we got a lot of yeah. soul and everybody knows it got a lot of soul I, this, this, I, I have a lot i want to say about this song because musically this is a really interesting track that calls back to a lot of star wars themes i'm a big fan of narrative through music that's why i love birth by sleep yeah. and so we, i want to talk about this one a lot too and then derek you picked the final track which i just wanted to hug you when you picked this hey thanks i, mean, I, I always want i want i always want to hug you but the the it went up to 11 thanks baby yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I, this is pretty much my favorite track of the ones that I've selected for today. I'll, I'll say that unabashedly. This is from Saga Frontier, a game that is also super weird, but I hold it near and dear to my heart because I played it a ridiculous amount when it came out. I have no idea how I even navigated the game as uh, like a 10-year-old because that game is super strange and obtuse and hard, but I dug it and I dug the music. And this is the last battle for the character T260G. He's the robot. So, I mean, you know, sci-fi robot. And the final battle for his story is against, like, a robot heart kind of thing. Like a mother brain situation. And it's really cool. And the music is totally on point. So I hope you guys enjoy it. So coming up, we're going to listen to Infinity Root from Infinite Space. The Old Republic theme from Star Wars Nets the Old Republic. And last battle, T260G from Saga Frontier. I'm not 
I'm a man. 
I've said a lot about Infinite Space and having not really played it extensively, I don't want to comment too much on the game, especially since I'm expecting a copy of it, thanks to my friend Matthew, who we shouted out to in the last episode. He hunt, he saw me right on Facebook that I was looking for it, found it at a GameStop for $15, and saved me the 100 it would have cost me to buy it on Amazon. So uh, didn't, you, didn't you also just get a copy of Wild Arms 5? Yes, 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 from Barrel Master. Thank you so much. That was amazing. I had every Wild Arms game except for 5, and I had never beaten 5, and I am about to finish grad school. I am going to sit down and finally play Wild Arms 5. The My, my inner 20-year-old is, oh my god, my inner 20-year-old is super excited about that because I'm going to finally wrap up the Wild Arms series, although they might be making a new one. There's been hints of that. So, Barrel, thank you very much for that. I meant to yeah, thank you for bringing that, that up. That was super cool of you. Yes, it was. Anyway, Infinite Space. Yes. So Infinite Space. That song, I really like it. Like, I love the vocals and, like, the lyrics. It, it reminds me of, like, the end of, like, a TV show. Like, the, the yeah. final scene in a TV show when, like, all the pieces are in motion, fate is set, and here is the finale unfolding before you. And to hear that it is both the final boss track and the credits track is really cool. Like, it's sort of the end of this long journey. Because from, I, I'm told Infinite Space is a massive game. And just, there's a lot I like about that track. Yeah, that's actually the exact same impression that I got, like like the ending song from an anime or whatever. Like you say, mm-hmm. that final scene where nobody's talking because everything's already been taken care of. We're just it's, seeing them all off on their way. It's just yep. unfolding. That's mm-hmm. pretty much exactly what I got from it, too. So we're all on the same page. Yeah. It, Rock on. And it... Uh, it's, uh, I, I, I was surprised because I didn't realize it was Platinum Games and, like... The, the soundtrack is really interesting because this song, like, fits into it well. There's a lot of, like, epic space navy armada anthem type songs in it. I know there's a lot of words to throw in one sentence, but that's the vibe I get from a lot of the music. But this song has such, like, a distinctive flavor to it. But it also oddly feels like something I'd hear in a Sega game. Because you know how Sega games are crazy for a lot of reasons, usually. And this absolutely feels like something I'd expect to hear out of one of their kinds of experiences. And by extension, Platinum. I see both of them as sort of these avant-garde crazy people. Yeah, they're pretty pretty unusual, but I mean, Platinum, I think, is also a pretty solid developer. I, I like just about everything they've put out. Mm, definitely. That's neither here nor there, but you know. And then following that, we listen to the Old Republic theme from Knights of the Old Republic. Uh, I don't really have a huge database of Star Wars information to draw from here, but okay. uh, I liked it. it. It sounded Star Wars-y. Okay, now go. Fill in the rest. Sure so it definitely felt Star Wars-y. I'm, ama- I'm always amazed to hear that was Jeremy Soule. Um, we didn't, Pat mentioned an interview he did with Jeremy Soule in his review of the Tiso soundtrack. And uh, Soule kind of talked about how, you know, there are these styles that composers attempt to work in. It's so It sounds so authentically Star Wars that I wouldn't have believed it was him at first. But the reason I love that song is not on its own because it's this incredibly potent piece of music, although it's it's well put together. But mm-hmm. as a piece of narrative, there are some, there's a cue to Vader's theme from Return of the Jedi. There is mm-hmm. notes of the Imperial March theme, but it hasn't become the Empire yet. So it's 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 not quite to that point. It's a little more majestic and a little more, you know, uh, regal, a little more austere and less tyrannical. Uh, there's a few musical cues to other KOTOR songs in there. Uh, it's just a brilliant piece of music that calls to all different aspects of Star Wars history, which is why I think it's so successful. And all that in less than a minute and a half. 
Yeah. Yes. It's a, it's, a pre- it's a pretty short track, but yeah, I listened to. I really wanted to include something from uh, Night Sealed Republic or or the second one, either way. And I listened to a lot of tracks um, uh, before I picked that one. But I, exactly what you said. That's that's why I wanted to go with that one because it has those callbacks, or I guess in a sense call forwards, since it's set so far before. Call arounds. Um, yeah, you definitely you feel that connection that maybe you you know like. If you don't have the the connection to the universe, otherwise maybe you you wouldn't pick up on that, and it might not be as as powerful. But but I do like the the connections and that that just that overall feel that it gives you. I would concur. That's a good. Then finally, uh, yeah. Then we had the last battle. That, last that, battle. There are many last right? battles. Um, Saga yes. Frontier actually has a last battle track for each of its seven characters, which is super cool. I mean, the game is the game has a ton of really good and diverse music anyway. Um, I would actually say that Emilia's last battle theme is my favorite in the in the game, but that is one where you fight like a monster that drops down from a chandelier in a church. So I wouldn't really call that sci-fi. So I went with T two six zero G's and. Uh, I just I love the the beat of the song. Um, uh, it's I, yeah, I just think it has like really good uh, like progression, and it gradually adds in more layers. And uh, it's not it doesn't have like a, a ridiculous amount of instrumentation, but enough so that you you get feel something when it moves from when it like every time it adds in something new. I feel like it it's pretty. Um, it's building on the drama. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I was gonna say impactful, but Kyle will slap me on the wrist if I say impactful. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got a really big uh, Mega Man vibe from it. Just the the, the yes. sound. It has that same feel, and I wonder if maybe that's uh, something that I was picking up on as well. But if you're going to Mega Man, that's kind of a theme. Uh, is that building on everything over the course of the game yeah. as you're getting more and more weapons, and so maybe that might be a a link as well. I love me some Mega Man. Maybe that's why I like it. And I mean, TT Six Zero G. I don't know if I said this. He's a robot. So you're fighting another robot, um, but it's so it's like it's Robocide. I don't know what else you call it. Robot on robot violence. Robot battle. Ugh. Yeah, it's Saga Frontier is nuts. Like just there are this huge variety to the final boss tracks, and this just reminds me of some of those really really great experimental PlayStation One songs before there was sort of this established paradigm for game music. Like it's just there's such a weird quality to this song that you know, is not really touched upon much anymore. You know, we have experimental music, but this was also within a certain technical limitation. So there's a lot done with it that I just, it's so memorable. Like, I've only actually beaten Amelia's story, and I want to go back and play Saga Frontier now, and I hear the music, and I'm just like, for a game full of short stories about characters, like of such a variety of characters, it's such a cool concept that I love. I'm going to say Acellus, best story, Amelia, best final boss music, T260G, best robot. Best best use of robot. Ricky, best (laughs) monster. Uh, Loot, best character with a loot. What else can I say? That's a pretty good... The competition was stiff. Red, best character named after a color. Blue, best guy whose brother can kill him and take over the storyline. Is that everybody? Red, let's see. Red... Red, Ricky, T260G, Amelia, Acellus. So uh, we're, we're past the statute of limitations. After you beat it with all the characters, is there like a final scenario? Uh, I think there is. I never got it or never saw it, but I, but it has like a, it was. I, I remember it was the first game I ever played that had like a system data file that you had to create separately. Yeah. Um, because it tracked it, and I'm pretty sure there's something. I don't remember if it was like a 
like a dev room kind of thing or if it was a final section of the story? That's a really good question. Now I want to go look that up. Yeah, I really want to play Saga Frontier now. Like, it's it's just so weird. I guess it, did you know that thing about Red, though? I'm not Red. Um, Blue? About Blue's story? Yeah, like how he dies in the middle and, like, you well, play as somebody else. Well, well, you he can. Like, sorry, guys. The game's like, I, I just looked this up. This game is 16 years old. Kill me. I played Ugh. that when I was, like, nine. Okay. How was that even possible? Or no. Oh, my God. Ten. I was, like, ten. Yeah. I remember I bought it just because of the cover and because it said square on it. Right? But yeah, in Blue Story, this is sorry tangent, but you know that's what we do. Uh, in Blue Story, he's the magician guy who, and his quest is like to become the most powerful magician, and um, he's kind of a jerk. And his brother Rouge is actually more likable, and and whatever you can really get out of whenever Rouge appears, he's kind of like Blue's rival. But there's a part where they have to duel each other um, to become the best magician, and whoever wins actually continues like so if rouge wins blue dies and you play as rouge for the rest of the game which i thought was super unusual and interesting and i guess like the the subtext is like blue was a kind of like i don't know if he was a megalomaniacal jerk hey megalomania uh yeah. ties back in i don't know if that's what it was or whatever but anyway i just thought it was a super unusual thing a lot of things in saga frontier are unusual like there is definitely like a lesbian um love story happening in a Celis's thing yeah, wow, gosh, that game is crazy. We yeah, need, we need to, a, a we need to like, white, play that and talk about it on Random Encounter. Yeah, we should. All right, Saga something this summer. It's going to be Saga Summer. Are you ready? Ready. I'm ready. Right, so Welcome to Before Earth. we get too deeply into the depths of Kurong or wherever in Saga Frontier, we are going to move on to our final block, and that includes three songs from video games. Are you surprised? You should be. Uh, the first one in that block is my final pick for the day. It's another Earthbound track because I love Earthbound, and I had in- originally intended to play this alongside the other one since it's kind of short, but uh, we figured it would round out the final block nicely, so I picked The Skyrunner. This is the song that plays when you're in the UFO called The Skyrunner. It's when Jeff wakes up in winters because uh, Paula con- contacts him with telepathy, and she's like, Yo, Jeff! We're underground and buried alive, basically, and it's horrifying if you think about it too Shoot much. Shoot a bottle rocket at it! But but you should probably get up out of your dorm and come save us. So that happens. So Jeff uh, travels through winters, and he gets in a UFO, and he flies to Threed and saves them from certain doom. So this is the Skyrunner. Following that, we have Tooker's final pick for the day, and that is? Yeah, that's a Dream Big from the Saturday Morning RPG. I, I picked a, a track from that or uh, my game music of the year uh, picks, if memory serves. I definitely put it on my on my, on a list somewhere for music of the year. But yeah, I picked uh, Dream Big. It's a good song. We'll hear it. Yeah, and I'm glad to have that on there because we never featured a Saturday morning RPG. And I think uh, Saturday morning cartoons is something we all know and love. Mm-hmm. And then the final track I picked, uh, I will admit, I stumbled across this song thanks to Mike. And I mentioned it earlier. This is a track from Xenosaga 2, which has an amazing soundtrack. Uh, even the Shinji Hosoe stuff, I don't care if you disagree. You're wrong. But the Yuki Kajira stuff is definitely better. Oh, man, I love her so uh, much. Her, she is the musical face of Xenosaga 2 and 3. And the track we picked is Communication Breakdown, which is so stupidly epic. It'll just punch you in the face. I, 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 I don't know what else to say about it other than the let's listen to everything and then talk about it. So... Coming up, the Skyrunner, Dream Big, and Communication Breakdown.
When the song the Skyrunner plays in the game, there's this very scripted sequence how, like I said, you're in the UFO flying, 
but I had this weird thing where I would memorize all of these scripted sequences in RPGs and well in games in general I guess and of course at the time I wouldn't have recognized it as a scripted sequence or been able to label it as such but I frequently would like like I would remember parts of RPGs were like oh yeah this is the part where you know the character walks up two tiles and then they walk to the right and then they do the laugh emotion and I would just like I don't know why I would memorize them and this is one of the sequences where the UFO is flying over Threed and it's it's got like a tracking device in it that's trying to track where Ness and Paula are and it beeps at certain intervals and like I I played Earthbound so many times I would remember like the beeps as part of the song because the song always started at the exact same time as soon as you got in the UFO and it wasn't like a an airship kind of thing where you could control it so that's just a random thing like for me the the beeps of the tracking device are embedded in the song so it's almost weird to hear it without it but yeah it's again it's not like a super sophisticated song either it's just I think it's a fun um, upbeat kind of track and it's it's got that sort of like modern slash tech fusion vibe that a lot of earthbound has tech where fusion, I like that yeah i mean it's it's like it's very rooted in present day which now was like the night you know it was the 90s which was present at the time oh and i don't want to think about that but let's not yeah but yeah so it had that that like contemporary vibe plus this kind of cool like really hard to describe like high tech low tech at the same time i feel like that's not descriptive whatsoever but you know, and it's like this future tech kind of stuff that also feels very tied into modern time, at least at the time the game was made. And I'm going in circles, so. No, but I would agree with you. <laughs> yeah. I finally figured out what uh, what song it was that, made, that it was making me think of. It was in the track. It kept making me think of this uh, Queen song, and I could not figure out what it was. I finally figured it out. So now I'm here, uh, which the crazy thing is, kind of just what you're saying about time and, and calling back things. That song came out in 1975. So, I don't say that game, to me. For a game that came out, you know, so much later than that song, you know, it's still good music. It is. And then, following Skyrunner, we listened to your pick, which was Dream yeah. Big from Saturday Morning RPG. I admit yeah. that I only played again. Another recurring theme for this episode is I've played a lot of the games, like of the stuff that I didn't pick. I've been like, oh yeah, I played that game for five minutes. <laughs> um, I downloaded Saturday Morning RPG, and it's one of those games where every episode like it's a pay per episode kind of thing so i did the the first episode and i think they've made some tweaks to it since then but i very much enjoy the idea of an rpg built around saturday morning cartoons and the sort of plot devices and ridiculousness that that are carried with it so they're so memorable and i think uh, what i like about this song it has this like it's like it's what i imagine the soundtrack to me thinking back to being a kid watching alex mack was like imagining that in my head this is what i imagine i'd hear in the background just like, i love alex mack but who doesn't it's just and like it's such a cool song and interesting uh, not necessarily trivia but the composer vince DiCola is mm-hmm. like he's a film composer and uh one of his most notable films is rocky four he did transformers the movie staying alive he's done a uh, he's done some other movies too but like the fact that the guy who composed rocky four composed this is great the Rocky Four soundtrack was kind of, well, Rocky Four itself was kind of bad. Wait, no, Rocky Four was Drago, right? Or Drago? No, is the one in Russia? Yeah, yeah. So Drago, the, when Apollo Creed gets killed, yeah. So yeah. a great movie, but I don't really remember the music. But I really like the Saturday Morning RPG soundtrack. It has yeah. this sort of nostalgia that, like, you know, I can't confirm that this is how he felt, but I really feel like it's sort of reaching back to how. 
to a, a nostalgia that we had, like getting up on Saturday to watch cartoons and like seeing all mm-hmm. that cool stuff. I don't know. I just really like it. Yeah, I, I really like uh, that particular track, uh, "Dream Big." I really, I really like the opening of it. I feel like it's very evocative of, of its title. You know, it it feels like a dreamy kind of tune, but I don't know. And and you know, the whole the whole game, like the only way that that game could take place is in a dream because you have, you know, like Cobra commander and Optimus prime and all <laughs> kinds of other, you know, Frank games. Welker. Yeah. Perhaps so. one or two of the gargoyles. That'd be amazing. Yeah. yeah. I, should, I should play that sometime. A Thundercat or three. <laughs> snarf, snarf, snarf. Maybe some street sharks. I don't know. I, I could just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> Biker mice from Mars. No, that was later. Wasn't it? A little bit later, but still. So many. There were so many weird cartoons. Now I'm just like thinking weird '80s cartoons. Yeah, I guess there are weird cartoons today, but Speaking the of ones of our youth were superior. They were indeed. So, Xenosaga Two is the first game in the series I actually played. I watched cutscenes of all the first one and then started with two and liked it. I know nobody else did, but I did. Uh, so I actually think that every bit of music in Xenosaga Two is better than what Mitsuda did in the first one. I love Mitsuda, but all the music by Yuki Kajiura, especially this communication breakdown track, captures the drama and the sort of the psychodrama and the the epic feel of Xenosaga better than what I think Mitsuda did. Even with that really cool final boss battle theme and battle theme. But like there's just this her her use of vocals, the sort of building up to the middle part where it breaks down for a second and then comes back. That doo 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 doo. Like at one point, the vocals sound like they're saying "Mele Lama," and that makes me laugh, but mm-hmm. not not epic. I really like the term psychodrama, actually. So good on you for that. Um, I think that that I think that's really descriptive for a lot of the music in Xenosaga. And I remember getting super hyped for Xenosaga because I love Xenogear so much. And when I heard about after the first episode, I remember hearing specifically that Yuki Kajiura was going to be doing music for two. Um, and that's actually one of my earlier memories of knowing a composer by name. Uh, the reason why I knew her was because she did Key of the Twilight for Dot Hack. Yep. And that, like, that was the song that introduced me to her. And I and think she that did her Tsubasa music. Chronicle. Oh, I never really like that clamp thing, right? Yes. Yeah, I never really got into that or anything. But I think her music has a really dreamlike quality, and I think that it's. I mean, it's it's not trance music, but I feel like it is trance-like. It puts um, you in a trance. Yeah, it puts you in a trance. Like, you know, suddenly you start glowing like pastels, and you can do some kind of a, you know, overdrive, limit and break kind of thing. No, all of a gnosis starts spawning out of your dreams. Yeah. So I, I really, I enjoy this a lot. It's got that perfect violin and chorus kind of combination that's signature for her. And I like especially the last minute. There was that build-up to the final oh, push where it's... there's... Sort of the quiet, like, piano-y kind of part, and then it just goes all out. And, yeah, really, really good track to end us on, other than whatever Tucker picks, which uh, he has a lot to live up to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to just belabor the point, but I just... That last minute of the song just captures everything about the drama of Xenosaga that I think the, was the goal in development. Like, just this cast of thousands, epic space space and religion and psychology and everything coming together in this crazy banana storyline is encapsulated in that song. Uh, I just, I cannot get enough of it. That's, that's all I got. Isn't that enough? Isn't that enough?
isn't it, though? <laughs> and now that we've enjoyed all that delicious sci-fi-ness, which I know there probably wasn't as much as usual, but like we said, we're going for some shorter formats now just to make the episodes a little bit more digestible and so that we can release them more often because that is the goal. Right. Um, new year, new you for Rhythm Encounter. Uh, <laughs> I hate that <laughs> slogan. But and uh, yeah, so um, we'll probably touch on this topic again, like many of the things that we've talked about, just because there's so much to draw from. Uh, you know, even as we're listening to it, I'm like, oh, I could have picked something from this game and this game and this game. So rest assured that there's there's no shortage of stuff that we can pull from. So hope you guys enjoyed the sci-fi topic. And so yeah. So I, I don't know if we should do an episode about it because I know strictly we do, you know, we talk about music and stuff. But, and, and you know, whether we can do it on Random Encounter or something, I would love for us to talk about Theater Rhythm Curtain Call. It just, it, it's it's so, the, the type of game that that is and what that game represents is sort of, you know, part and parcel of what we try to do here. Talk yeah. About. Like, that game is literally a celebration of the music in Final Fantasy. So, I mean, what would be a more perfect topic. So I don't know. Maybe when it comes out, we can do some sort of special episode where we talk about it and talk about the music selections in it and the game itself. It'd be a lot of fun, I think. And I think people would enjoy hearing that. Maybe you can let us know if you would. Yeah, actually when uh, the original theater rhythm came out, I mean, it's, I guess you could still go back and read it if you wanted to. You'd have to kind of search through our old features, but when theater rhythm came out, we decided at the time not to cover it on RPG Fan, but I did write a feature article on it. And I just talked about basically my own memories with the Final Fantasy series and just a particular couple of anecdotes related to like when I got each game or whatever, which is, I mean, you know, kind of goofy, kind of irrelevant, but I had a lot of fun writing it. And I think that a part of what makes theater rhythm so special and so cool is that everybody has that kind of reaction to it. I mean, if you've played Final Fantasy over any extended period of time throughout your life like you remember a lot of things associated with it because Final Fantasy used to be the release every year or whenever they came out um, and I still think that that Final Fantasy has a chance to regain its traction especially like with 15 um, but that's I just think theater rhythm is so cool because like you said it's a celebration of Final Fantasy music like there's nothing about that game that that's tedious or like jaded I mean it's nothing but like awesome happiness let's listen to the music let's let's remember the good times and look forward to the future and theater rhythm has a ridiculous amount of songs it's like 200 and something like 200 plus right and uh characters from so many games and i can't wait it's like most one of my most anticipated games for the entire year my dream of having ramza zidane and balthier in one party is manifest yeah and i get i get off mal like she is. I, I don't. I don't want to be a hipster. I say this all the time. You know what? Maybe I do want to be a hipster. Maybe that's my secret desire. One of my uh, friends has <laughs> been convincing me in recent months that maybe I am a hipster, and if I am, I might have to just accept. It. Is is that friend of yours, Rob? <laughs> no, actually. Okay. Well, yeah, but it has off mouth. She's the uh, puppet master character. She's like in Final Fantasy XI. Each of the expansions has like a heroine character that kind of guides the story along and is integral. And so in Treasures of Ottergon, she was the heroine. She's a puppet master, and I like puppet masters, and she's cool. So, I'm, I mean, I felt like like she would never be mentioned again in for the rest of time. Like, she would be relegated to that one specific storyline in FF11. Anyway, this isn't really relevant, but uh, Theater Rhythm looks awesome, and I, I don't know how we can avoid talking about it in the future. So, if that sounds so like something won't. you'd... Yeah, it sounds like... If that sounds like something you'd like to hear about, definitely let us know. Um, and that ties into, uh, you know, what we always ask, which is for you to send us suggestions ideas for topics, things you'd like to hear, ways we can improve. Any of those things, you can get in touch with us in a myriad of ways. You can either talk to us on Twitter 
I'm at EmbryonX on Twitter, and Stephen is at SJMTaglis on Twitter. Um, you can also send us emails. Stephen is just StephenM at RPGFan.com. That's Stephen with a PH. And I'm Derek at RPGFan.com. Mine's easier. Email me first. And uh, You are uh, easier. Oh, oh whoa. Hey there. Whoa. Hey. Well, That's we what may he be... said. Yeah, it is, because <laughs> we may be sharing a room at E3 this year. I don't know. Hello. It depends on how cold you like it, because you might like it colder than I do. <laughs> um... Also, vote for us, not vote, rate us, please, on iTunes. It means a lot to us. Um, again, I've said this before, but we're real human beings. When we see feedback, uh, we would prefer for that feedback to be positive, of course. But when we see feedback, uh, it makes us really happy, you know? Like, I'll, I'll come home from work or school or whatever, and I'll see a new review on iTunes, and it's like, holy crap, somebody listened to the show. So, you know, if you have a few minutes and you haven't done that yet, it would be super cool of you to leave us a review, and maybe we'll give you a shout-out. I agree. Bribery. Tell your friends, too. I'm okay with bribery. So, yeah, that's uh, that wraps us up for the day. Sci-Fi episode is done and done. Hope you enjoyed it. This is uh, John Tucker's first chance to pick the guest choice track, and I'm very interested because you've talked a lot about this track. I don't know what it is, but I want to know what it is now. So tell us, what is it? Why'd you pick it? Well, I had to. I, I really had to bite my tongue earlier when you said we didn't have anything from Fallout. Ah. <laughs> I had to pick something from Fallout. I listened to a lot of stuff trying to figure out what what I should pick, and and in the end, I, I knew what I had to pick, and I was just you know trying is it to hack, see if there's anything hacking else. And whacking and slashing. <laughs> it is. It's it, almost no. I, I I would never ever do that to anyone. Pick that track for any reason, even if uh, you had like songs you never want to hear again. Episode not picking that one. Because also, I really mansion basement from Resident Evil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. I instead I picked a song that was supposed to be in actually the very first Fallout game. It didn't work out, but it did make it into Fallout Three, and that is a song by the Ink Spots. I don't oh, want to set the oh, world on fire. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's such an iconic. You know, it just it goes with Fallout so perfectly. That is an. Um, Excellent choice. And the, you know the crazy thing, I, I don't, we don't want to get, turn this into the music history thing, but the, the Ink Spots were such an important group to like the foundation of rhythm and blues and, and rock and roll genres and stuff. But of course, without Fallout, nobody in our generations would have even heard of them. I would agree. I wouldn't have. So they they definitely you know if you go out and check out their music, they got a lot of good songs. They all follow a, a, a set formula, but they're still all really good. And I Don't Want to Set the World on Fire is, is probably my favorite of their tracks. So oh, I had to pick it. Awesome. Sweet. Well, you have rounded this show out beautifully. So Derek, Tooker, thanks for coming on the show as always. And audience, thank you for listening as always. Again, like Derek said, send us feedback, all kinds of cool stuff. Tell me how great I am. Tell Derek how great he is. Tell Tooker how great he is, because he is, right? So taking us out of our sci-fi episode is the Ink Spots. I don't want to set the world on fire, which is, we'll just call it, culled from the Fallout series. So thanks for listening. I don't want to set the world on fire. I just want to start a flame in your heart. In my heart I have but one desire. And 
that one is you no other will do I've lost all ambition for worldly acclaim I just want to be the one you love and with your admission that you feel the same I'll have reached the goal I'm dreaming of believe me I don't want to set the world on fire I just want to start a flame in your heart I don't want to set the world on fire honey I love you too much I just want to start a great big flame down in your heart you see way down inside of me darling I have only one desire and that one desire is you and I know nobody else ain't gonna do I've lost all ambition for worldly acclaim I just want to be the one you love And with your admission that you feel the same I'll have reached the goal I'm dreaming of Believe me, I don't want to set the world on fire Just want to start a flame in your heart. 